young. I am. And I am a young black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. On this episode, we talk with Tiffany Baker. She is a mom, a healthcare professional, and a barrel racer. In this episode, Tiffany talks to us about her experience growing up as a mixed individual in the Midwest and getting into the barrel racing scene and raising her own string of barrel racing pro qualified horses. So, Stay tuned for more from Tiffany Baker. Be sure to hit her up on Instagram after this episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as rate and review this episode. Let us know what you think. Shoot us a message. All right. Enjoy. Got it now. (laughs) Hey, this is Abriana. Abriana, this is Tiffany. Hi. Nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. So like I've been following her on Instagram forever. <laughs> I know. She was like, we're going to talk to this girl. And I was like, okay, she looks pretty though. <laughs> I, I guess I try. I <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. So um, we are young black equestrians. We yes. are. <laughs> Do you want to just kind of tell us about yourself, where you're from, what discipline you ride, the horses you have, all that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm 26 years old. Um, I've been riding pretty much my whole life. I grew up in a very, very tiny, small, very unethnically diverse town in Northwest Iowa, which is in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't, my mom is the one that got me into horses. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that she got from her father. Unfortunately he passed away. So but she always kept on to the, the love of horses and um, she got to a point in her life. I think I was about six years old and we got our first pony. And from then on, it was, all right, this is what I want to do. This is, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I grew up showing in 4-H. I was the only girl like myself um, around. So growing up, you know, it was a little tough. I was uh, very unique. I didn't think there would be anybody else out there like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I first started getting into barrel racing. That's the discipline I ride. I ride Western. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was about 12 years old, I saw a rodeo on TV and I saw pretty girls and fast horses. I was yeah. That was it for me. You know, I always wanted to be that girl. Uh, um, I I did show horses for a while. I did Western Pleasure and I did English here and there, but barrel racing's always been my love. Mm-hmm. The horse that I have now is a 2015 Bay Quarter Horse Gelding, and he's bred real well. And I could talk about his bloodlines for days, but um, <laughs> it's just, 
starting to get into the fraternities this year and uh, hopefully kind of inch my way up into the WPRA. So, you know, ultimate goal in life, be the first African-American girl to get to the NFR. There's not been one and I want to be that girl. Hey, so. <laughs> at least Good you luck. know. Do yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> For you sure. Your eye on the prize. I'm sure you will get there for sure. I don't think so. But, you know, it, it costs money. And, and uh, that's not a whole lot that I had growing up. So I yeah. always kept myself driven because, of course, it's, it's the one thing in my life that has always been my steady, that's always been my love and my passion and kept me out of trouble, kept me focused. And, you know, mm -hmm. Here I am, almost a lifetime later, and still rocking it. Yeah, living the dream. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what challenges, you know, have you faced? I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but just growing up as a as a minority in the horse industry, what challenges did you face? You know. Well, I guess the tough part was, you know kind of right around the time I, I was born and growing up, that was a very transitional period where in the Midwest, you had a lot of people from the West Coast uh, migrating in factories, that kind of thing. And um, my parents actually met in the military. Um, my mother's Caucasian and my dad's African-American. So, um, you know, that stigma of being a mixed kid was really tough. Mm -hmm. People did not understand it. It was not something that you saw in the Midwest, but that negativity, any, any, anything pertaining to that and being a minority and being so unique, I just use that as one more extra push, one more extra reason to keep going, to prove myself and, and really do the hard work and, uh, you know, get myself to a point where I, I was decently respected and, you know, I was doing really good and went in a few things here and there mm -hmm. and, you know, following the dream, I guess every little piece, every little thing that fell into, into place, even the negativity and that, you know, I got told a lot, you know, black girls don't ride horses. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And the crazy part was, and it, it wasn't just from the, the Caucasian side you know mm -hmm. I got it from both ends you know mm -hmm. uh, my grandma was like oh honey no, no we, don't, <laughs> we don't do that that, does, uh, that doesn't work um but you know I, I had really good support my mom is my rock and she I guess if you could say she wanted to live vicariously through me and she it is also her number one goal in life for me to be the first black girl to get to the NFR. So mm -hmm. she's always been there right along with me. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I completely understand. You know, when I, when I ask that question, I feel like a lot of times people are like, expecting the answer like oh these all these white people said that I couldn't do it you know when it's really like you said the criticism comes from both sides mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's not just people think it's just one-sided but it, it truly is both sides and uh, mm -hmm. you know I think the thing that really helped me was I had very choice 
few people that believed in me from the horse world. Mm -hmm. and they helped me anytime they could with whatever. I soaked up knowledge from everywhere. Books. I would watch RFD TV, which is like a rural network, and they had horse stuff. And I just, every little bit, it didn't matter what discipline, I was gaining what I could. I had to, I was like a sponge. Every little bit, including the negativity, including the criticism, just helped me to drive forward and just, you know my dream yeah yeah <laughs> how passionate you are about this i know it's exciting and yes. and it and it's it blows my mind how people can um even if they do have a criticism even if if people think like oh no she ain't gonna do it if, if you see somebody so obviously passionate about something mm -hmm. how can you even share like your your criticism in that way it, it's kind of mind-boggling like you know that i'm so passionate about this how is it how do you call yourself my friend or my family or whatever and you're saying girl you sure like yeah you're sure nobody's ever done that before okay like right like why not support me and being the first to do it exactly <laughs> let me let me strive, let me flower into what I feel that is my calling, you know? Everybody's is different, but mm. mine just happens to be them ponies. Yeah. You know, one phase I didn't grow out of. And, mm -hmm. um, and I guess the cool thing growing up and becoming an adult and just watching the world in itself develop and become more, I don't want to say tolerant, but just inviting Mm -hmm. I have got to see and meet amazing people you know here I've got I'm on a podcast like that is so awesome <laughs> there's, there's so many people like me and um I gotta say you know via the way the world is you know kind of blossomed it's not the best but you know I take it and every little bit of inspiration I think if we can just all come together and feed mm -hmm. off of each other, you know yeah the sky's the limit that is for Absolutely. sure. That is for sure. Did you take barrel, um, barrel lessons with an instructor, or you kind of just got on and just went out there and did it? How did you go about that? Um, I am pretty well self-taught. Um, I would. My mom got a prescription or a subscription to, like Horse and Rider and the Western Horseman and um, Horse Illustrated, and every time I saw like a barrel racing article, I would take that magazine out to the barn and I would try to look at the pictures and reread and re-reference and try to, you know, try to do it. And when I started getting into actually barrel racing into the jackpots and the rodeos, I wouldn't talk to anybody. Nobody would talk to me starting out. I just watched. I watched every single person, what they were doing, what it made their horse do. And from then on, you know, I just kind of developed into my own. And I, uh, I've been through quite a few horses, but um, it's always been my passion to be able to, you know, make money, mm -hmm. to be able to take a horse from unbroken to pro rodeo. And yeah, I've gotten a lot of opportunities to do so. And a lot of people have sent me their horses for such purposes and you know mm -hmm. it's really nice to 
to be able to be kind of self-taught and develop on your own as opposed to being somebody else's writer. Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of the way I developed and, you know, growing up broke, you, you, you don't have, you do not have money for lessons, kid. Like yeah. we're just on that horse for the next six hours and that's mm -hmm. figured out. <laughs> Yeah, I know that. I understand. Make a way the best way you can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, use every little bit. You know, even if it's you don't have an arena and you have one barrel and you got a gravel road, you better be putting that barrel out there and working it. There, you can do something. Yeah. There's several times that I have broken horses. I didn't even have a round pin. Didn't even have an arena. All I had was a yard, and I made it work and keep moving forward every little bit every little step yeah and that teaches you a lot also you know yeah. where and I, other people have all of these gadgets and things and different devices and like oh let's just tinker with this when you know you have to start from the ground up that makes better horsemen in the in the long run and women horsemen and women yeah, for sure mm -hmm. and uh, you know that bond with your horse mm -hmm. if you you raise them up and and you're teaching them how you ride man that you can darn well blind that horse and it'll still do what you're asking mm -hmm. so i think bonding with your horses as opposed to sending them off and you know trying to fix problems with gadgets and such you know you really got you have to do it you've got to get out there and do the work and spend the time you know wet saddle pads you know, wet t-shirts and you just go out there from, you know, sun up to sun down. Yeah. Make it happen. <laughs> sure. So what did, are you, are horses your full-time job as well? Or do you do something else? Um, I am actually a certified medication aide and a certified um, nursing aide. And I do that overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, as a po and then, you know, during the day, I kind of do my horse stuff and don't get a whole lot of sleep, but. <laughs> I was about uh, to say, okay, all night and then all day, like, where's the sleeping happen? <laughs> you know, naps in where you can and things. And um, yeah, so I, I, I got into the nursing not long after high school, but um, I'm kind of burnt out on it. So I'm gonna be going to school this fall for radiology kind of oh, stick great. with the health care yeah. and then uh, you know gotta have a good job to support them ponies mm-hmm for <laughs> sure for sure yeah and that little one that you got <laughs> yes I'm a mama I am a mama and uh you know my little guy he's 19 months old mm -hmm. um, he, and he you know horses he likes them already He's going to be a little so my good. little hope. Good. Yeah, he really loves animals and stuff. And, you know, a lot of what I talked about before about inspiring each other and stuff, that so hits home for me with my son because, you know, he has to be able to see that no matter what, you can get to your goals. Mm -hmm. You can get it. If you just put the time in and mm -hmm. do the effort and believe in yourself, you can make anything happen. And so that's, you know, that's kind of how I live my life and my hopes with going to school and, you know, just be the best I can possibly be. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I wish you luck with all that because I'm about to finish school and I'm like, I swear to God, if somebody, if I tell somebody I'm going back to school, tell them to smack me because yeah, done it. Too, I've been in here too long. <laughs> Who let me do this? <laughs> yeah, it's. I think I'm gonna be about ready when I get pretty close to graduating because I don't like homework. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so that's gonna be a challenge. I'm gonna have to hunker down. Yeah, for sure. I I feel you on that one. Anyway, um, so. Well, you answered most of my questions already. <laughs> well, what's your, your, well, we know you want to be the, the first African-American woman in the, um, oh my goodness, brain fart. <laughs> in the bar? In the bar. So, like, what are your, your entire vision? You know, I know you're going to complete school, you're going to strive for that, but what's your vision for the future? So, my end goal is to... Um, buy my own acreage because I board my horse now and raise two or three foals that are of high, very blue blood racing, um, quarter horse racing and barrel racing bloodlines and to, you know, bring them up through the system, get them when they're three-year-olds and they're juveniles, hit them four or five-year-old into the fraternities and, you know, then on there's derbies and then the maturities and hopefully for rodeos. But my, my goal is to stick with the, the breeding of very high select lines and, um, you know, make, make my own for rodeo horses. That's, that's the end goal and hopefully save up to make it to the NFR. Yeah. Yeah. What is, yeah. what's the cost? I mean, I'm sure you know about how much it costs, but what kind of numbers are people looking at if they want to be involved in like the pro rodeo circuit, like entry fees, I mean, hauling and stuff. We, we know that that's going to cost, but how much does it generally cost to enter something like that? Um, so there's quite a few ways that you can do barrel racing and win some money. And the, the two ways are if you were to enter in a rodeo or a jackpot barrel race, um, Jackpot barrel races are really nice because they are divisional. Mm -hmm. So they set up the time brackets. Usually the 1D will be the fastest, the five fastest of the day. And then they'll cut that break into the next second, which would be the 2D. And then the 3D would be the next half a second. Or, yeah, no. The 2D will be the half a second, no, the quarter of a second. The 3D would be the half a second, and then the 4D would be a full second off mm -hmm. the fast five this the the five fastest times in the 1D. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the entry fees with that, um, depending on if there's added money or not, are anywhere from twenty dollars on up to a hundred and fifty, depending on if you're going to like a local jackpot barrel race or you're going to a barrel bash or for trees are, are more expensive as well so they'll be in the 50 to 75 dollar range but mm -hmm. it's it's the most cost effective way to barrel race they pay out really good it's all divisional you you know 
you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to get in your bracket, which is nice. Um, mm -hmm. The second way is to rodeo. Um, they usually pay out, depending on added money and things, between first and fifth, or if it's a very large rodeo, first and seventh. Mm -hmm. um, and the entry fees for them are usually in between 60 to like $400, depending on the size of the rodeo um, and the added money. It's mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. pretty pricey that rodeo and <laughs> yeah um, I can only and, imagine um I was told once that about the average cost to make it to the NFR and this is if you're in the top 15 in the nation or in Canada they also allow uh, Canadians it's about 30,000 to get to the NFR but if you do win the average in the NFR you know you're walking home with darn near half a mil so i mean the royalties are nice but you got to be winning you know yeah. and winning streak everybody's got a losing streak it's an uphill roller coaster with that with the rodeo in so wow well you know what you're gonna be taking a lot of x-rays <laughs> a lot oh yeah i feel you on that for sure that's hilarious um <laughs> I was I was about to ask something. Um, oh, so like maintenance, um, because I feel like what happens with barrel racers um, is either I feel like they go out two ways: either a uh, person gets hurt or like the horse gets hurt somehow so how do you maintain your horse as far you know working with barrels and um making sure that they are you know safe or feeling good after you're done yeah um well crazy thing about my gelding is he is half blind he is blind in his left eye and so with a horse like that the challenges are a little bit more extensive um mm -hmm. he is very reactionary mm -hmm. and very nervous so i have to have him on more or less a calming supplement but it treats more for the anxiety part of him mm -hmm. just to keep his mind in the game and focused because i find that people will go out and run their horses and they won't do anything else but them but with them but run Mm -hmm. And then they just get just strung out and they can't focus. They're dancing at the gate. They're running. They're taking out people. You know, it's a rough deal. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I think um, there's nothing wrong with having, a, you know, a horse like that. That's a little bit more reactionary on a calming supplement. I also try to give my horse just like a, a just a multivitamin pretty much just Mm -hmm. pretty much their vitamins and their minerals. Um, I also offer like a lick tub, uh, would be like a protein tub for extra protein and then a salt lick. Um, as far as graining them, you know, during the summer months and the spring months, I try to get on them three times a week. You know, I, I work full time too. So that's yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But, um, I, it's, it's, it's always been very important to me 
even for people too, for I need to be in shape and my horse needs to be in shape. Mm -hmm. And I find if you don't go long periods without working them, even if it's just taking them down the road and long trotting for half a mile or a mile, Mm -hmm. you got to do something with them. They can't get out of shape. I think they're more apt to hurt themselves, be a little bit more trippy, not, not have that extra edge, that extra focus. Mm-hmm. if they're not in shape yeah um I always lo- I always use leg boots that's that's a big thing to me it doesn't matter if you're going down the road trail riding working in the arena sprinting you gotta have boots on them mm-hmm. um, some horses especially in barrel racing they will clip their front hooves with their back hooves because mm-hmm. when they turn they've got to bring their butt down mm-hmm. and bring them forward um and I see oh it's kind of a a pet peeve of mine when I don't see people with bell boots you know that is such a silly thing that could end up being a very major injury to your horse and lamb them yeah for a cheap you know $30 boot Mm -hmm. uh, um the thing about the rodeos versus the barrel races is the barrel races, the ground is way better. They drag after every five runs. You know, that arena is nice, flat, and clean. Rodeos, you just go out there. I mean, you hope for the best and hope it's good ground, but you can't guarantee that it is. Yeah. You know, you're, you're throwing your horse out there to pretty much fend for himself. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about rough rodeo ground, but... Um, I try to go barefoot with my horse if he doesn't absolutely need shoe, shoes or he's not running in really hard ground. I just leave him off, make sure he's well kept, um, mm-hmm. shaped real good. Uh, I try to get my horse's vet checked um, once a year just to make sure everything's on the up and up, make sure I get my Coggins pulled, blood tests, just just make sure that they're healthy, just like you would, you know, yourself. Yeah, yeah, annuals. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I kind of go a little bougie with, with the treatment. You know, my horse gets chiropractic and acupunctured and massaged. and. Oh, my gosh. You've literally gone through this entire <laughs> maintenance <laughs> protocol and leave the chiropractor and the acupuncture till the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the good part, though. Oh, that's that's where they get you. The fee. They think his feed's expensive, but no, no, it's the maintenance. It's the getting them feeling good. Uh, you know, I don't even see a chiropractor, so, you know, he's doing very best. I just started, well, last end of last year, just started going to see the chiropractor, and I'm just like, look, this better work. Because if if this doesn't work, like, I got to put more money into the horse because the horse is broken. I'm trying to work on me. <laughs> yeah. But I also am a believer of, you know, if you're going to go out there and ask your horse to do all this and be in shape, you better darn well be in shape yourself. So fitness <laughs> and doing yoga and meditation and stuff just for mental clarity Mm-hmm. is super super important to me as a writer I think you've got your best chance of um I guess being a better writer and giving your horse the best shot if you're in shape 
Right. Right. I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, There's nothing that you should ask of your horse that you can't, you know, support them. For on. sure. Yeah. And I mean, and it takes to really get to the top, you know, you have got to put yourself in the right position in the saddle and that takes a little bit of muscle every, you know, here and there. So mm -hmm. I try to keep maintenance on him. I definitely keep better maintenance on him than I do myself, but I still try to eat very healthy and keep mm -hmm. in shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've been also looking riding out there too. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's hard though. It's hard. I mean, I know a lot of people, especially once you get to the point where you have like more than one horse, people are like, Oh my gosh, it must be so easy. And it's like I literally have worked so hard to just make it look easy like it's not actually easy in real life right yeah, <laughs> but you have to do work. you have to do what what works for you and for your herd and for your pocket like it is what it is you just got to do what works best for you so sure. and, you know it takes an army I I don't lean on a whole lot of people but the people that I do lean on you know I get a lot of help Mm -hmm. um, I have a really good border that helps me um, just make sure that he's in the right place, that he's in a safe zone, he's comfortable. Um, and I've got a really great hauling partner and we just kind of vibe off of each other and help each other with each other's horses. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it takes people to help you as well. So if I can be in the best state of my health, then I'm going to be able to really help other people as well keep my focus keep the that one goal just right in the crosshairs mm -hmm. for sure for sure um, I totally admire that because I don't think well I don't know how many but from my just my perspective and the people that I run into I don't think everybody takes their own health into consideration you know you're asking your horse to do a lot to carry you of all things <laughs> And then in some instances, people introduce their horses to new things. And it's like, well, is your horse fit for that? Are you fit for that? Right. You know, like make it match. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You gotta, there has to be a balance, you know, and if I'm healthy and feeling good, that's all going to trickle down to that saddle and, and through the saddle mm -hmm. pad, and right down his back, through his spine, up to his brain. You know, I got to make sure that every, that I'm in the best place possible for him to give him the best shot at doing what he's supposed to do and hopefully that's winning yeah yeah no it's it's a, it's um i definitely haven't gone rich with the horses yet but you know hopefully someday I keep plugging away yeah, yeah. when you do call us call us <laughs> We're gonna be like we interviewed her first. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Started from the bottom and now we're all here. We're all here together. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have noticed since I've kind of connected with other people that are like me and the black writer community, I have felt nothing but welcome and like a family. I mean just the people that I've talked to on Facebook and Instagram and just sharing stories and, you know, kind of 
living through like a shared experience, mm-hmm. just vibing off of each other and being happy for each other and promoting each other is just, it is simply inspirational. Mm-hmm. You know, we have never seen a group of people come together so well as yeah. I have being a part of, uh, you know, being a part of that world. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I was listening to a, um, like a little speech or whatever, um, when I was on my way home from work and it's actually, it's a guy that we interviewed on our very first episode, my friend Ashani. Um, and he was saying how, you know, he, he was saying that we don't have haters, like haters don't really exist. It's just people Mm -hmm. who wish they were, or wish they had the, the talent or the motivation to be where we are anyway but he was just saying how like the black community how there's like a stigma like black people don't buy from other black people they don't support each other you know we're like crabs in a barrel which like i understand i you know i get it like from a historical perspective but like you said this community like the black horse community I feel like now that it's starting to be a little more more in the media um, and people are being able to be connected by social media, which was not, you know, around before that the sheer amount of the sense of community has gotten so much larger um, now that we can like reach out to people literally across the country. Like we're in North Carolina and we're talking to people in California, like on a daily basis. Yes, it, it is quite incredible. And um, I wanted to mention before I totally forget, um, the coolest thing happened to me about two years ago is I discovered two all-black rodeos that happen in Texas and a little bit in the bigger cities around the U.S. And it is also now one of my dream goals to go to one of these rodeos and just truly be around yeah like-minded that group that home that brother and sisterhood of just us going out there loving it rocking it I mean Mm -hmm. I it is and just seeing the videos and the interviews and talking with a few members of you know that rodeo group wow I I have never talked to just a more inspiring upbeat just very vibrant group of people than the people I've met through the Cowboys of Color Rodeo. Um, they're, they're a great group and I'm hoping sometime soon that I'll be able to go down to Texas and, and do one of those rodeos because yeah. life is cool now. Yeah, yeah. You'll make it there. I know. That? Speak it into existence. Yeah, so you'll make yeah. it there. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's cool. So what advice would you give the aspiring, whether it be barrels or not, just the aspiring equestrian who, you know, still begging for a pony? <laughs> what advice would you give that person? Um, I guess my advice would be, you know, the simple never give up. Be a complete sponge. Gain every bit of knowledge that you can and then make the decision that if this is what you really want to do in any discipline, 
then every step and every choice and every decision you make should be in pursuit of that. And you will never fail. Mm-hmm. If you just make that decision and hunker yourself down, if you truly do that, anything in life is completely possible. Anything. You know, just keep on keeping on, as they say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that is sound advice, for sure. <laughs> I needed that when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Like, I just, yeah, and it took me quite a, quite a while to find people that felt that same way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, here I am, just out here on my own. I'm, I'm by myself in this. That's the way it has to be, but I ain't never going to give up. Yeah. But it's it's nice when you find that support, you know, it was like, I was doing it by myself, but I'm also happy you're here. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) That's too much. All right. I'm super excited that there are Black equestrians in the world, like all three of us who can find, you know, we're going to run into people who just need some encouragement who probably have never heard a positive thing about the path that they want to take in the horse industry. And they'll come across us, they'll come across this podcast, and I don't know, they'll just keep going. That's my hope. I definitely would have been in awe if I would have heard a podcast like this growing up. Oh my goodness. I, I Yeah, I would have just, I mean, I scoured the internet too. Oh, I would just search engine for days I mean, <laughs> oh man I searched I I could not tell you how many times I have searched in Google you know black cowgirls black barrel racers I mean and still to this day I'm still searching for them all yeah no, it's hard to find them it is and it's it's funny I think y'all were saying how like our our community and our you know our black equestrian world um it's like we are so supportive because even on facebook i see the same post because somebody i've shared it ariana shared it we shared it on the podcast and black reigns has shared it and then somebody else from them have shared it so we're seeing more of us on social media because we're being supported through those avenues which i think is cool right it's definitely the coolest thing and i'll agree i've seen a lot of that shared you know, information that like shared encouragement. And mm-hmm. I mean, just that alone is enough. Just that alone yeah. is enough to do great and amazing things. Yeah, it's more than what we had growing up. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all around the same age and we're all like yearning. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we right. were young. I mean, we're not, we're not that old, you know, and there's still stuff out there that, you know, populations that are not touched, you know, there's still, you know, there's no like content center for the stuff that we're interested in or the stuff mm-hmm. we're passionate about. And I mean, like you said, well, I didn't necessarily look up black barrel racers, but like even like horse training, natural horsemanship you know, just the basics. Cause I got my horse at six months old because I was like, oh yeah, this will be fine. This will be great. And then oh, like, oh, we've all been through that. Yeah. Like he's trying to kill me. What do I do? <laughs> and they're like, use a carrot stick. I'm like, 
no, that's not working. <laughs> I need somebody who looks like me to break this right. down and tell me like, cause this horse is, we're going to Jesus together. Like, come on. <laughs> yes, for sure. Oh yeah. So sure. yeah, I've, I've started to see, um, a lot more, um, black people on the trainer side or the clinician side of it too, which I'm like, yes, spread the knowledge. Yeah, for sure. And you know, even just, you never stop learning. You really don't. I've even just learned so much in the two years that I've been following so many of the, the black uh, horse trainers and like you said, in, in, in information and in terms and in word formations that I can understand, that, mm-hmm. I, that I just, I get with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gosh, knowledge is power, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure, for sure. Well, I'm not going to, we're not going to take up your whole night, but um, just thanks again for coming yeah. on the podcast today. Um, you want to share like your social medias? So people can follow you and, and go to the NFR with you on social yes. media. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, you can find me under cowgirl Tiffany Ray. Ray spelled R-I-E. All one word. And you know, that's kind of just where I like to share my experience and get little tidbits here and there. And hopefully more rail racing videos to come soon. Hopefully at the Futurities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck with everything um and if we can help in any way definitely reach out and and let us know yeah you want to like you want us to share some (laughs) posts or something like it will be everywhere like we (laughs) we hit share a lot (laughs) yeah well thank you guys for inviting me to be on the show this has been an amazing experience you know something i could have dreamt in in my dreams but you know here i am living the dream so i wanted to thank you girls amazing show you guys are doing a great job keep it up you're keeping us all connected oh thank you thank so you much. so much <laughs> yes. Yes. have a good have night, a good night. <laughs> yes have a good one ladies bye bye thank you for listening to young black equestrians the podcast be sure to rate and review on all podcast outlets and head over to YouTube and enjoy our visual content new for season three. See you next week.